everyone. This is Stan Indicott, and I want to welcome you to a very special edition of the Slingshot Group Podcast. I'm inviting you to listen in on these conversations as we unpack and explore each of the competencies to help you improv your leadership. So let's join my co-author and friend David Miller for today's episode. Thanks for joining us for this mini season of the Slingshot Group podcast, where uh, we are talking all things uh, improv leadership in anticipation for the upcoming book through Zondervan coming out June 9th. Um, Each episode, I'm talking to ministry leader that is in the trenches. We're talking about each of the five competencies of improv leadership and really how it's affected them in the way that they lead Uh, in this episode. I'm talking precision praising with Michael Neal. Uh, Michael is a Dove Award-winning songwriter. He's the national best-selling author, veteran worship leader, uh, currently the the lead worship pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, Texas. Uh, Man, Michael, thank you so much for being with us today. Man, it's an honor to be with you, David. I'm a big fan of Slingshot, of course, and Stan Endicott, of course, the longtime friend, and you and Monty and everybody there. So I think the world of you guys, honored to be with you. Well, hey, like I mentioned before, we're talking precision praising. And and just as as kind of a, a way of highlighting what this is all about, precision praising is carefully crafting praise to inspire and course correct your team. And uh, Michael, you, you've been in our trainings, you've had a chance to see some of the things that we've been working on with improv leadership. And I'm curious for you, how this concept of precision praising has impacted how you lead? Well, I think it's huge. And whether you're being led or you are a leader, um, you know, in being led, I've always appreciated when someone call something out that they see that they that they admire respect appreciate and they do it specifically it's not just these generic platitudes right yes, and so yes. and we all have a tendency i'm a you know i'm a type of person that i have a high belief level in people so i may slap a 10 on everybody's forehead when i meet them i mean i think yeah. you're awesome i i love you you're amazing and 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 i really believe that right uh, however those kind of words they can come off a little cheap and if we're not careful. And I, it's funny, sometimes our kids teach us the most amazing things, right? And so totally. when my youngest, Wyatt, who's 11 now, but uh, you know, every night I'd put him to bed and pray and, and we'd read stories and, and give him a hug and a kiss and all of that. And I, I was in there one night and he was, you know, maybe first grade or so. And I said, buddy, I'm so proud of you. And he goes, why would you say that? Hmm. And I go, well, because, because I'm proud of you. I really am. You're my boy. You're my son. He goes, yeah, you don't understand me, dad. Why are you proud of me? Wow. And he, in that moment, drew me into a more precise way of affirming yeah. him and telling him why I was proud of him. And so as a leader, um, trying to you know incorporate the idea that we really need to be precise in how we communicate. And I think there are many things that happen when we do that. There are many uh, secondary reactions that happen both in that person, the relationship with that person, and in our organization. All of your competencies in the improv leadership program. This particular one is huge, and it changes the game uh, in so many respects. Yeah, I, I love that. The, you know, 
you know, two things that you mentioned that I want to dig into a little bit. One is, is that story with your son. I mean, you know, I remember when we were first kind of creating this stand myself um, and a good friend, Will Mancini, and we were coming up with the tools and what we wanted this, this to hold, you know, look like, and man, there's, there's this moment that I got a little frustrated and I just said, Hey guys, are we just telling leaders to be nice people? And, uh, and, and, and Stan kind of stopped me in my tracks and he said, no, uh, you know, if more leaders understood this, fewer of their staff would quit. And that like, that just, again, it stopped me in my tracks. It kind of, it kind of put me back on my heels and he went on a little bit and he says, um, we're not just saying to be nice. We're talking about being precise. And, and so in the, in, in the instance with your son, I think that like, most people in ministry, and again, maybe not all, but most people in ministry, we would say are pretty nice people. Um, you know, they're naturally just good hearted and kind and all of the things you would put to that. And that, that, that's great. But I found that most are not very precise. Um, most, you know, hold back a little bit as to almost the effort that it would take to be, actually be precise, to help someone know, you know, the way I, that we word it in the book is there's a difference between telling someone that they did a good job and telling them what they did that was so good. And so I love that as you talk about that with your son. Have you, have you seen that in, you know, at work in your team as well? Absolutely. Um, in multiple ways. I think what, what happens when you actually call somebody out beyond just saying they're great or they're awesome, these generic things, but you see a particular behavior or you see a particular uh, project that they worked on uh, or an effort that they gave in a particular way. And you call that out, not to them, not only to them personally, but to the entire team, it does a few things. First of all, it shows value to that individual at a whole nother level. You you're telling them that you see them, that you're paying attention to their work, that you're yes, paying yes. attention to them, um, it, it, it then builds trust. If, you know, we have a guy on our team who is uh, an incredible uh, people person. He's a tigger. I mean, he's, he's excellent. He's new on the team. He just come, came out of college, right? And, and I've watched him systematically go through our st- uh, some of our student ministries and even our instrumental ministries in different places. And I've watched him reach out to individuals and encourage them and want to get to know them. And he's 22 years old, fresh out of college. Yeah. Um, and so when we were in an all staff meeting, I called out to him. I said, you know what? I've seen how you've gotten outside of yourself and it hasn't been about you trying to get the gold star for your own achievement, but you've actually been, going and encouraging and adding value to other teammates. And I just want you to know that I see that. I love how you did that. And that's really important. Yeah. And so in that, not only am I valuing him, but the other thing it does when you precisely praise people and you precisely, you're championing the values that you want to reproduce in your team, yes. in your ministry, in your organization. Yes. Because we know that we reproduce what we celebrate. That's it. And so for us to be specific with our teams, and many times I will find there are some guys that are kind of high flyers that you, you know, they're in the public eye a lot. They're amazing at their craft. And obviously I take time to make sure that they know that I appreciate and affirm their gift and let the team know. But I look for those values that we champion that are manifested in people that don't get the airtime. 
Yes. And I really want to make sure that they see that we value them mm-hmm. and that I'm paying attention to what they're doing. And when you do that, everybody else begins to follow suit and it yeah. becomes this culture of mm-hmm. championing one another. And so it also does another thing I, I believe, David, is it it balances our precision instruction and rebuke. Yes. And I think there there are times times where we have to go in and we have to be, and in the art world for me, I'm, I deal with a lot of technicians, producers, hmm. musicians. We're very, we have to be very precise. We're in the public eye. We have a high demand on what we do every single week and we can get very uh, directive in what we expect. And, but that can never supersede finding the ways to affirm how they are living out the vision and values of the ministry. So there's a balance to it. So being precise when you praise people does all those things and and more. Yeah, no, I I think that's huge. And and especially again, as you talk about, you know, building a culture, you know, praise does that, you know, what, what, what can happen if your, if your culture is built overly on correction, because I agree with you, correction is necessary. There are times that that is, that there's just a hard conversation that needs to happen and we just need to get straight to it. But there are times that um, that we can actually correct or course correct, as we say in the book, using praise because we can help others understand our culture. We say it's enculturation. When you praise somebody, whether you praise them on their own or in front of people, you're telling them the kind of leader you want them to be. And anyone else that hears that praise, you're telling them what kind of leader you want them to be, the kind of leader you value, and you are communicating your culture in a brand new way. And so, whereas... Oftentimes, we, I, think, I think a lot of leaders, for the sake of time, we go straight to the, the, um, the correction itself. Hey, I need you to not do that again. And, and what we found kind of in our research is that that works short term. You know, when you say don't do that again, then right away they'll change, the, they'll, they'll change the habit. But then the next time, they'll probably ease back into that habit again. What starts to change the culture around you is when, is when praise is abundant and so clear that it helps someone to understand what you as a leader want or expect from them. And now they're able to know what they're, what they're aiming at. And, and, and I think that there's something really beautiful there. The, the other thing that you mentioned early on is, um, you know, and, and you said this, and I love it because it means this has become shorthand for you, which is so fun. But you referenced a tool. Um, you said you'll walk into a room and you'll slap tens on people. Um, and, and, and what you're referring to there is this, is this tool that's in the book. We call it the, the, the weight of praise scale. And, and we look at um, what is a one, what is a five, what is a 10 for the people on our team. And really, um, once you get to know someone, you'll start to understand a little bit of, of, of where they are on the scale. And we say in the book and in our training that, that um, a 10 is not necessarily better than a one. In fact, if every time you walk in with a life-changing praise, you know, that was the best thing I've ever heard. You know, and if, you, if every time you come in and you have that kind of praise, it actually starts to lose its weight. Um, you have to use tens sparingly and you have to be able to, to pepper in those ones and threes and fives that will really encourage and, and, and help that person to be built up and understand what you're looking for. And then you find that perfect moment to drop the 10 that speaks to the heart of who that person is. And so I just, I wanted to make sure that we, that we referenced that tool as, as he came in. People were like, man, Michael Neal doesn't know how to give a five. He gives, he gives tens, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, it's like no, the, the, the tool itself. Get, give me a little bit as, you, as you've used that tool 
um, as you've thought through, you know, some of the things that, that you're seeing on your team, you know, maybe another example or another, another idea that, that you've taken out of this concept of the weight of, of praise? Well, absolutely. There, there are certain things that I put in, you know, buckets that are higher values than others uh, in our context. So, for instance, um, unity is of the highest value. Hmm. So anything that builds unity is going to get high airtime. It's good. Um, I would say that life-giving words are, are a high value in our context. Hmm. And that may sound like, oh, well, duh. No, no. I, I think we have to articulate what those things are that are highest value and be precise at what kind of airtime we give them. Because if you don't communicate those, you know, you said something I thought was brilliant, David, about this whole idea is what happens when you precisely praise is you are defining the target for your team. Yes. And you're, you're defining the, the behavioral, the cultural target for your team. And there's nothing more demoralizing than working in an organization where the target is always moving. And it moves in such a way as to control you, but it does not empower you. It's good. And so I think, I think that's huge. And when you, when you are free with your words in a measured and wise way, it defines a clear target and everybody feels empowered to move towards that target. Yes. And so uh, for, uh, for us, so, you know, when you talk about specific examples of waiting, you know, that kind of praise, you know, I think the biggest thing is, is when I find those big values being represented and, you know, we'll say, oh man, that particular arrangement that you, that you did so-and-so was unbelievable. We know this guy's a genius. He gets a lot yeah. of airtime, right? He, he produces this music. It's unbelievable. Or the guy that shot that particular video with those lenses and how that looked, mm. that was incredible. Uh, so I, we, we want to champion the art itself, of course. And when somebody yeah. goes the extra mile to really innovate something or create something that's beautiful to listen to or to look at or that ministers at a whole different level. Yeah. But I tell you, I don't, we, those, those values that are more unseen um, that aren't directly tied to the art, but they're tied to people and relationships. Those are the values that we really put a lot of weight on. And for me coming into my personal journey of leadership, it seems God has had me in seats where I was there to help either engineer or re-engineer an environment to be healthy because maybe they came off of something that was, you know, difficult or catastrophic, or they wanted to move through transition to the new place. And so coming in and identifying those things, it was paramount that we really began to articulate where we were going to put the highest values and, and then celebrate that in the people. And then you start to see this multiplication effect occur so those life-giving words that are being spoken, those the, the the unity that's happening, the way that someone is lifting someone up without anybody else knowing that they did it, mm-hmm. uh, those kind of things are you know are really bearing some fruit now in this season as how connected we are as a ministry. And yeah, I'm sure. Um, so anyway, I just think I think it's it's a huge uh, discipline to learn. It's it's I love how you guys have really taken the discipline, broken it apart. And, and, and made it, um, it's not just, you know, praise them or don't praise them. It really is thinking through and weighing out the wisdom of how to define the target well 
and add value to the people that you're leading. Yeah, man, that's so good. Well, Michael, I, we've got some common friends and I got even a couple of friends that are on your team there. And I know that this is one that you, that you live out well. And so I just, I commend you for it because I, I truly, you would be surprised the amount of times I talk to a leader and their excuse is I'm simply not a words of affirmation person. And they believe that that lets them off the hook for, you know, for, for not praising their, their team. And the reality is um, people are desperate for it. There are people on your team right now are, are desperate to hear what you are and how you enjoy their leadership. They're desperate to hear what they're doing right and what they're not doing the way that you want. They, 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 there is this desperation in your team. And, and so my pushback whenever, and I'm talking like, I'll talk to national leaders, like people that like we read their books and they've told me, I, I'm not a words of affirmation person. I'll probably, this one feels too fluffy to me. And, and I, I'm thinking of, an, of, an, of a situation right now where that happened. And, my, and, and what I said back to this leader was, um, I, I think the problem here is that you believe that this is optional. You believe that being someone who, is, who can precision praise is optional to your leadership. And let me tell you that if you were to talk to your team, if you were to really know them, you would learn quickly that it is not optional, that they need it from you and that it is something that you might not be a, you know, a, a 10 out of a one to 10 scale, but you need to at least, you know, if you're a five now, let's at least get you to a six or a seven. Whatever, wherever you are, let's make you a little bit better at this and let's keep working this muscle so that it happens because uh, it is so necessary for our teams. If you want a team that has longevity and feels cared for and feels seen, uh, much of the things that you, you were talking about. That's awesome. Yeah. Michael, Absolutely. hey man, thanks, thanks for adding to this conversation and being a part of this. I mentioned earlier that, that, you, that you are uh, an author. And in fact, you have a new book that just came out. Um, why don't you give us just a little, the name of the book, the, the Way of Worship. Just give us a little snippet of what that is. I'd love for people to be able to find it. Oh man, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's everywhere books are sold. Our publisher Zondervan just released it. And uh, The Way of Worship was co-authored with my friend, Dr. Vernon Whaley. And it's really uh, a story-based training system on helping people live and lead a life of authentic worship. And so it's not only being utilized in university curriculums, but it's also being utilized in church ministries where leaders want to help their their artists, their musicians, their production people, everybody understand this is why we do what we do. And this particular book is different than a lot of other books in that it combines theology, but it uses the power of story. And I bring some personal experience to the table using the power of story to uh, unpack these biblical truths. And Dr. Vernon Whaley takes it even deeper into the, the biblical realm. And it's, it's, we're really excited about it. it. Took us about two and a half years to complete, and um, so uh, we're already seeing it received really well. So thanks for mentioning that. Um, if people want to find some of your work, uh, find your church, find some of the books that you uh, have written, tell tell us where where do we go to find you? Oh, you know, michaelneal dot com, and the books are in wherever you know wherever books are sold, of course, and the music and all that. Uh, Prestonwood Worship, Prestonwood dot org is is where we lead worship and. Uh, uh, have an incredible team that we get to do life and ministry with and, uh, you know, learning how to lead in, in these days and, and, uh, shift things. And even as you were talking about, you know, um, 
how you, you know, you have to, in these days, I believe you have to actually not only be intentional personally, but you have to, you're not able to put your eyeballs on everything all the time because you're connecting virtually. So you have to be intentional about mining Mm. what the team is doing and what is happening. In fact, right before this interview, I just got off. We had a, a dozen or so of our lead staff members on a call and we were going through each one and basically talking about how how we were connecting and, and the ministry that's happening on their teams. Hmm. And that began to like unearth some things of like, oh, we can, there's some things we need to point to, to champion in the rest of the organization. Wow. Um, so you have to be intentional about even pulling it out these days now because yes. we're doing so much virtually. Uh, but anyway, I just love this, love what you guys are doing. I think this book uh, is going to go gangbusters. The training is fantastic and I've learned a lot from it. And, uh, it's going to be awesome. So, so good. So good. Hey, for everyone listening, thanks again for uh, checking out this mini series of the Slingshot Group podcast. Go ahead, rate, review the podcast. It, it actually does help people to find it. It moves it up in the ratings. Tell us what you think about it. Uh, and if you want more information on this book, you can find it at improvleadershipbook.com. Uh, there you can pre-order it uh, and find it even before it comes out. It's available now for pre-order and you can truly begin to learn how to improv your leadership. Uh, thanks for listening to episode two of this mini series. Uh, we got a lot more coming for you. Metaphor cementing is up next and you're not going to want to miss that one. Thanks for tuning in and make sure to get a copy of Improv Leadership that our friends at Zondervan are releasing very soon. You can catch up on other episodes of the Slingshot Group podcast where every week we tackle the leadership topics that everyone is thinking about but that no one is talking about.